Welcome, dear listener. Welcome to our special year-long Weekend at Crombies 2, The Legend of Crombies Gold, special edition, The Best of the West, Volume 3, Episode 1, Stagecoach. Dear listener, welcome. It is a special year of weekend at Crombies. We'll yeehaw. come on to that. Yeehaw, indeed. We'll come on to that shortly. But first, my name is Dr. James Evans Esquire. My wife has more relatives than anyone you ever did see. I bet I've been feeding half the state of Chihuahua. And I'm Hugh. What do I get when I get home? Nothing but frijole beans. That's all. Nothing but beans, beans, beans. <laughs> I like that we chose quotes from the same character <laughs> in roughly the same monologue. <laughs> oh dear. If we did have any listeners, they must think we're rigging these things, but not. We just clearly zeroed in on the same stuff. Yeah, we did. It did make me chuckle quite a lot, that, that whole thing. Oh, he was a great character. Yeah. Um, but look, well, you, well, but, you but surely I wouldn't say reeling. They, they were are expecting season the, six le, weekend of Crombies. They today. were expecting Le Grand Vaudreuil. Le Grand Vaudreuil. Weren't they? Well, call it, you know. Because, of course, if they, hadn't, if they hadn't listened to any of the many things we'd be pumped out between announcing this one <laughs> and that one, they would indeed have thought, well, we're leaping straight into season six, episode one, weekend of Crombies, Le Grand Vaudreuil. No, and you know what? Those those people that didn't listen and are confused now deserve to be confused. Um, because if but, they hadn't listened to the next eight episodes we put out, in eight days. <laughs> yeah. Oh, let's they would know exactly what's going on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, actually, if they had listened to all of those as well, they deserve some form of pity, too. Um, um, but, yeah. Great praise and uh, for such an ordeal. Yeah. Well, just imagine having to record it. We um, got the whole year to do it, though. They had a week. Uh, that's true, actually. Yeah, I'd forgotten about that. We didn't actually do it in eight days, did we? But anyway, we're reminiscing already. Of course. Um, <laughs> We can't reminisce at the start of a podcast. This is we've we've foregone weekend at Crombies, hasn't it? It's been consigned to the scrap heap for this year. I thought we just I thought we just put it on hiatus. Well, hiatus. Yeah, but just for 2023, it's going to be locked up in the um in the attic. Indeed. To gather dust. But we're doing a whole year of weekend at Crombies too. The legend of Crombies year. Gold. A whole year. Because Goodness. we because we enjoyed we enjoyed the uh, the theme of of eventually eventually we enjoyed it. The theme yeah. of doing a whole year of again of weekend at Crombies too. Be that the um. What was the first one? It was the uh, David oh, Fincher? I said Donald Fletcher. That's completely wrong. <laughs> Donald Fletcher. Donald Fletcher. <laughs> the Donald Fletcher canon. Yeah. Confessions. <laughs> confessions of a cabbie. Season <laughs> one. Season one. <laughs> David Fincher. Season two with the Rob Reiner. We thought a themed, and we basically got so carried away that we we couldn't fit in our next theme into you know a handful of episodes. Yeah. We thought we've got to go big or go home. So we thought let's hiatus weekend at Crombie so we can give all our attention to this so listener I hope you like the theme because you're with us for a year with this so James when you tell us all about what will we be doing uh, for the next 12 recordings well here we're going to be watching just wait for it 12 recordings of western films oh so yeah oh, indeed <laughs> what i won't do is is divulge what those westerns will be but suffice to say they will cover different time frames um 
they will cover a range of different uh, directors and styles, but hopefully we'll get a really good sense of the history of the Western yeah. in in 12 recordings, effectively. And I will say we, we're, a couple of things we can say about this is we're going chronologically. So we're, we we're, we're starting with the oldest we can do going right through to the modern Western. So we're going to really see some, again, I think some you know, peaks and troughs in the Western style, mm. you know, when it started to, to kind of pastiche itself and all this kind of stuff. We'll do that right down to almost revivals. It had lots of revivals over the over the years. So we'll, we'll see those two. Yeah. Obviously, um, we're going to try and we will we'll cover at least every decade. Obviously, some decades had more wealth in them so that's why we can do 12 episodes because we can yeah. fit a couple in for that one and we were quite strict with ourselves about what a western was because it turns out there's quite a lot of films that are westerns so we yeah. To, yeah. We, we, yeah when we went through our list and it was a long list we really had to put some fences around what kind of western we're doing so it's basically the the most i guess iconic western it's yeah, the traditional set, Western, isn't it, really? It's, yeah, it's got to be set in the American West. So you're talking those Western states like Texas and New Mexico, yeah. that kind of place. Um, yeah. So nothing that's off piece. So things like, for example, we can get away the Wild Bunch with more Mexico. So that was out. Um, yeah. the Proposition, Quig- which is an Australian yeah. film, Quigley Down Under. Yeah, yeah couldn't yeah. do so, those. So, so things that are very much Westerns, you'd recognise them, they're out. Uh, yeah. can, comedies and musicals, lots of them with Westerns. We close those down. These are going to be like Western thrillers. The the, the action thriller Western yeah. is what we're looking at here. Set in the Old West and of a certain time, too. So there's no no kind of like modern Westerns um, setback. So of a, no. we're talking about lots of uh, 18th, 19th century geographically in the West. Yeah, of we're, the, yeah. Kind of we're talking 1850s type. to about 1900, aren't we? Yeah, six shooters. Around that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that's that's basically because we had to put some fences around it just to just to narrow it down to twelve. Because well, my yeah. goodness, there were some lovely westerns. Although you yourself have set yourself a new challenge of watching fifty-two westerns this year. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> just to add as well, we, we, we're fo- we're not we're not going to be focusing on revisionist westerns either. So classics. Yeah, we're doing the classics. Yeah, they, they, yeah, we're not we're not looking at we're not necessarily looking at westerns which reflect on themselves a little bit. So there are some big hitting westerns that we're not including in this. Not because we don't think they're great films, but because they don't quite fit into what we're looking at. And also, you know, there are a number of Westerns which play on the genre a little bit. And, you know, no no problem with that, but they're not part of the genre. But yes, I have. I've been infused by this task. Um, so as well as the films that we'll be watching throughout this season of Weekend at Combis 2, I've also set myself a little challenge to watch one Western every single week throughout the year. Um, I've already watched three Westerns because it's the third week. <laughs> it's the third week of the year, so, you know, I'm doing it wow. once a week. Um, Stagecoach being one of them, which is th- today's recording. Excellent. So, excellent. I, I might divulge a little bit of that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're going to be a lot of it in Flexible Hinterland oh, to this then, because you'll know all the films around this. And yeah. uh, we Well, there'll be a lot of intellectual Hinterland anyway, because I'm on the podcast. But... <laughs> <laughs> we, um, and we will go through this again as, as episode by episode we'll talk i think around about the films that we didn't include and that we would like to because because we're looking at not just this movie but i guess what westerns were doing at this time as well so this is a this is from from 1930 to 2020s this is the the evolution or the 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 journey if you will on a stagecoach perhaps of the western genre um yeah, yeah the stagecoach yeah that's right and there'll be the, much like stagecoach there'll be lots of disparate characters getting into trouble uh, that need rescuing i'm sure lots of massive stereotypes too i imagine indeed and probably some really really kind of in-your-face racism <laughs> <laughs> that's the one thing that that that's the one thing we didn't really consider when we did this we, we'll have to face a lot of unsavoury stereotypes. 
Yeah. <laughs> we might be sick of this by the end of the year. It's like, for God's sake, I just want some humanity. Please <laughs> stop shooting people. Yeah, yeah. We in, the Americans invaded their land. <laughs> Notwithstanding. Um, so I'm really excited about this. I mean, I, I, I do I enjoy Western. Well. Oh, yeah, I, I do. But there's also a lot of this, a lot on our list that I have not seen. I'm, I'm aware of as classics, yeah, yeah. but either kids haven't had the motivational opportunity to watch these things, and um, and there are some westerns that I'm very, very much into. So I, I'm looking forward to how this goes. Well, Stagecoach is the former for me. I've not seen it before. I am fully aware of Stagecoach, and I know its place in the in the in the canon as well. But I suppose for one reason or another, you don't get around to watching every film that's ever been made, do you? So you <laughs> you're know, trying to do. You're trying I'm trying, to I do that, try so. to do that. Yeah, I do try to, to rectify that mistake. But so actually having a reason to watch a film like Stagecoach is what Weekend at Crombies is all about as well. Indeed, yes. So without further ado, should we should we saddle up and, uh, and begin our trek? <laughs> We're going to be so sick of this as well, aren't we? <laughs> On episode 12 in December. So shall we saddle up and begin our Because, yeah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Just say, let's start. <laughs> I uh, had one last note for the uh, for, for production values. I'm yeah. uh, I'm using a a brand new microphone. I can only apologise. Yeah, when when he says brand new, it's brand new out of the box. It was purchased in the 1950s. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with a bit of Soviet army surplus. <laughs> I will do my utmost to try and fix it by week month two. So please, <laughs> please bear with us. But. Yeah. Uh, here we are now, um, ready to uh, to giddy up and go into the theatre. <laughs> oh, I'll stop using metaphors and just get on with the story. Yeah, 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 yeah. Come on, let's go. Uh, so again, the story to to try and again briefly recap it is there is a again a stagecoach um, uh, run by uh, Buck, um, who's uh, a played by, played Andy, by Andy, Divine. Andy Divine. Yeah, Andy Divine is it? Yeah. yeah. Um, Again, great character actor, and we'll, it, uh, I immediately recognised him as the voice of the Badger fire attack in the cartoon yeah, for Robin that, Hood. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, excellent. So he, he he pulls into town, um, and he's got a couple of passengers. I think he's uh, he's he's heading for New Mexico or Lordsburg. He's heading for Lordsburg, which yeah. sounds like a proper kind of western style town, doesn't it? Yeah. So he's he's got a couple of passengers already, but he soon picks up a few more because he comes into this uh, this um this is Tonto town. Um, and and people and and it's probably the only time we get to see several different scenes and we'd actually zero in on that on the passengers so he's a uh, there there's a group of army men and the sheriffs and like, the telegraph is can only give one word and that word is geronimo um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the apache are out there um but nonetheless this coach has to get through to the lordsburg so he he's still uh, yeah. his um his passengers some are more willing than others he's got a yeah. um what has he got he's got he's a, got an alcoholic doctor called um doctor josiah boone yeah he's he's yeah, he's been run out of town along yeah. with dallas who's a tart with a heart <laughs> dallas played <laughs> by claire trevor yeah and again we you, you can only take the insinuation that she's, that she's a prostitute because you really don't get many clues she's incredibly well dressed and well turned out yeah, and she is the fact that the law and orderly basically the uh, the moral majority are trying to drive her out of town that's this, how you know this yeah. being 1939, um, she doesn't look completely dishevelled. She looks perfectly respectable in all sorts, but you know yeah, she does. Although you know, there's a scene later in the film where she does go back to Lordsburg and her home, and you do see a little bit more of it. But um, yeah, at this point, we, we, yeah. I assume she was a, a someone landed gentry, to be honest. <laughs> but there we go. It was only until it was only until the um, 
the, the Law and Order League that were throwing her out with um, Josiah yeah. Boone, the doctor, that I realised, oh, yes, she's a prostitute, yeah. isn't she? <laughs> so these, two are being, these two are being turned out of town. Already on the coach are um, a, what's it called, like, well, was it a whiskey, a whiskey a drummer? Basically yeah. a guy who goes around with samples of whiskey, which you've got to imagine would do great business in the West. Um, yeah. Yeah. He, he immediately becomes Doc Boone's new best friend because Doc Boone just throws his arm around him and dives into his sample case and spends the rest of the movie just lugging back his samples. <laughs> Brilliantly, um, by the way, the, 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 the Doc Boone is brilliant brilliantly played by Thomas Mitchell, one of the first Oscar winners. Um, so he obviously he won a, a Best Supporting Actor Oscar for this. Ah, was it this? Okay. Yeah. He is very good, actually. Yeah, yeah he is. Um, what else have we got on the stage? We were, again, Lucy Mallory is, is, is the uh, sort of way-faced, um, and she's, she's very, well, she's got a reason being miserable, mostly, but she's, she doesn't crack a smile <laughs> for the whole movie. Uh, but she no. must get to her husband, who's her captain in the, in the army in, in Lordsburg, or in, um, in Dryfork, actually, she thinks, yeah. which is one of the yeah. stops on the way to Lordsburg. I must get to my husband. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, she's determined. And, we realise yeah. she's pregnant, that's why. We always say realise. We don't realise that she actually had the baby. Yeah, no, that's true. <laughs> and yeah. she doesn't can... look remotely pregnant. No, she doesn't. But she um, has. She, but she is. Yeah, spoiler alert. Uh, so, yeah. yeah. Uh, look, Hugh, we're doing Weekend at Crombies. We're going to deep dive into the synopsis of the film. There are no need for yeah. spoiler alerts here. Elsewhere, uh, we have, uh, again, the guy riding the shotgun is actually the marshal, Curly Wilcox, um, who, <laughs> who he kind of, he has an ulterior motive. We don't know... Um, he doesn't be explicit, but when he hears that uh, that Luke Plummer is in Lordsburg, yeah. Luke Plummer being some kind of ne'er-do-well, he immediately says, "Well, I'll go to Lordsburg," because um, all the other all the other people are off searching for someone called the Ringo Kid, who was broken out of prison. Yeah. Um, uh, and who makes up the party? And then finally, so um, a a gambler who oh, uh, played Hatfield. by Hatfield, played by John Carradine, um, yeah, of um, of the court jester's fame. He's in the court jester. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, yeah, he plays the. Uh, he's the. Um, He's the court jester who Danny Kay replaces. Is he? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I was saying he's he's also the voice of the great owl of the rats of Nim. He is. So he is now formally a weekend at Crombie's um major star. He's got a star on the, the weekend at Crombie's Yeah, congratulations, John Carradine. <laughs> you get your get a trick. Although I will say, um, well my god, he's, he he looks he looks gaunt and, and long facedness. I mean I I assume they wanted to basically say be, be Doc Holiday without saying he's Doc Holiday. <laughs> Yeah, because he's a, he's a he's a southern gambler who looks ever so um, phlegmatic and uh, yeah. yeah. So he he comes along um, for some. He comes along. His ulterior motive is he um, he recognizes Lucy Mallory and he served in her father's regiment. Yeah. But the reason he's there is I've seen the face of an angel and I'll I'll, I'll protect her. So he comes along just to protect her. And you're thinking something creepy's going on here and there. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, uh, just I mean, just look at him. His face is like the Grim Reaper almost. I know. Ugh. But just that nothing was creepy. He was just there to protect her. Um, yeah, you know, which is, but but even that itself is a bit creepy. He made it creepy. <laughs> yeah, made it creepy. Yeah. Um, and, and, the, and as they gallop off, the last passenger is um, oh, yeah. is the local banker. Who, who my goodness, um, this is uh, Henry Gatewood, isn't it? Yeah, um, yeah. You could you could tell he was evil um, because he basically uh, he bigs up capitalism at the very start. Yeah, he does. What we need what we need in running this country is a businessman. Yeah, they 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 drop off the uh, the payroll, the fifty thousand dollar payroll to his bank, and he's like, "Businessmen need to run the country." And the camera zooms in on him as he just says nothing and looks. He's uh, he's basically Mr. Potter from uh, It's a Wonderful Life. He's, um, and he's uh, but he's but he's even even that because he just basically just as soon as everyone's back turned, um, we and he's he's given his wife uh five dollars to pay for the grocery bill or whatever, and he looks a bit tired of it to be honest. And sure enough, he is because he throws yeah, the payroll the money, into his valise and, and yeah. jumps on the stagecoach and he's out of there. 
He's out there, isn't he? Yeah. He's Obviously, he wants he wants to get to Lordsburg, doesn't he? It doesn't yeah. really doesn't really care what dangers lie ahead. He needs to get to Lordsburg. Living the high life in Lordsburg, about yeah. <laughs> it's not much of a getaway. But... I suppose it isn't. But then, I don't know. This this. There's something about all these towns in 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 westerns that we'll come to, but I don't know. Lordsburg it looks absolutely terrifying, but it it's quite sense. fun as well. <laughs> you could find a lot of fun with a few thousand dollars in Lordsburg. Yeah, you could. You, I mean, you um, wouldn't last. You'd, you'd last a few days, and that'd be it. Yeah. But still. So the coach rattles along. We're 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 going along quite nicely. Um, basically, no, no one is being friends with uh, Claire Trevor. Um, in Dallas. Uh, Dallas, uh, yeah. She's doing yeah. her best. She's very friendly and everything, but like basically Louise Platt is, is looking every direction but at her. This is a, and everyone else is kind of snubbing her. Doc Boone's fairly jovial because he, well, he's half cat. Um, yeah, he's half cat. Yeah, but he, I think he, he, he's, he's almost the, he's one of the moral centres of the film, isn't he? Yes. He, he might be half cut, but he has a, he has a moral, a moral he's a good kind of soul, core. Yeah. yeah, he does. In fact, yeah, he was the one who offered to escort Dallas out of the arm. Yes, they were yeah, both exactly. out So yeah, good on yeah. Doc Boone. Um, but uh, they, you know they they reach their first they their first stopping point is when they they've got, they've got a cavalry escort too which is quite handy because um, they get them to dry fork so they think oh that's fine there's a patch out there they've been warned of Apache out there so you know they're saying yeah. you, know, you you take the stagecoach at your own risk yeah um, they know Apache's and, out there and they know specifically that Geronimo is on the warpath Geronimo being again the, the great Apache war leader um, yeah. so even his name is enough to just uh oh um, yeah. It's out there. And again, this isn't really a story about Geronimo in any way. It's just his, No, it isn't. It's just his name, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's like saying, I don't know, Eric the Red is, is sailing the heist. Yeah. And it's like, uh oh. Yeah. Um but as they as they uh, as they gallop along and this kind of stuff. It's funny that I, the only person that doesn't know um that it patches on Lucy's Gatewood, who got on the stagecoach, you know, um, as, as, yeah. Just he was going out of town, he jumped on it to make his getaway. And he's like, What? There's a there's a patch out there. <laughs> <laughs> there's a patch out there. <laughs> this is terrible. Who didn't run in the town and tell me this? And, yeah. uh, Everyone else is, it's kind of wise that you should look a bit nervous saying, oh, surely they would have telegraphed you if they told you to leave the town. Oh, yes, they did. Yes, that's right. They did. Yeah. Yeah. But um, it's when but they, that, they, that comes, they, that comes back, that comes, that raises suspicions as well, doesn't it? A bit later on yeah. in the film. This is his cover story is I've been telegraphed and I must get to Lordsburg on important business with my yeah. very big beliefs. Yeah. Um, but the, uh, the stagecoach uh, screeches to a halt at a dry, dry river bed um, and, Who's standing there? I mean, oh my, oh my, oh my goodness me, Hugh! What an introduction! I was thinking that. I was thinking they don't. This is pretty <laughs> oh. impressive. The camera just resumes oh. into this. It's, all, it's so out. There. It's so out of kilter as well. You don't expect yeah. it to happen, but there's an incredible zoom cut, and it go, it goes on and on, and it's like, wow! Yeah, an enormous <laughs> and cowboy with a big hat twirling his Winchester. It's yeah. John Wayne. <laughs> you, I mean, yeah. talk, talk about. For me, that is because John Wayne wasn't a massive star when he made this film, but that is a star-making entrance. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, this, he was. I hadn't realised this because this was the film that made him. Um, yeah, it was. Yeah, this, it was he like did films before. But... It was his 80th picture, so he's yeah, been yeah. he's been extras yeah. in everything for the last eight years. And he, um, he was in he was in a film in 1930 called The Big Trail, yeah. um, which was supposed to be his big film, but it flopped completely, and it took him about ten more years to get to get. You know, get back yeah. as it were. But this, this, yeah, this film puts all its chips on John Wayne oh, because yeah. uh, he is he's uh, the Ringo Kid. Who's uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, like, why, what, what was it? Why he called the Ringo Kid or something like that? It's like, well, Ringo, Ringo is just a nickname I had when I was a kid. And my real name's Henry. So yeah, so there he is, and he's basically his his horses his, his horses died or whatever. So, yeah, it's got lame, yeah. isn't it? 
Yeah, so he, he needs a ride. But of course, the uh, the marshal's riding on top and he needs to take him to custody because he's escaped from the penitentiary. He's so escaped from then, the penitentiary. Yeah, we knew that already that he was on. He was he was loose. Yeah. But um, yeah, he's been he's been arrested by Curly Wilcox. Yeah, and they're all quite jovial about it. It's like um, they don't. I think he handcuffs him at this point. He just says, you know, kid, pop in the uh, pop in the mm. stagecoach and going. Well, you know, you might, yeah, I might, might <laughs> you might need me. There's a pack. <laughs> I saw that saw a homestead burning. I, oh, God, I didn't know John Wayne was Indian. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> I tell you um, what, it's no Anthony Hopkins. <laughs> we got a couple of films to get it right. I guess. Yeah, there. you do. You do. What do you mean we? You've got a couple of films to get it right. <laughs> but um, either way, uh, Ringo is uh, is joins the party, so now they are nine. Um, and uh, so yeah, so he's kind of under custody, and basically Curly's saying, "I'm taking you." To, to Lords, I'm taking you to Lordsburg because you've got to go back to the penitentiary. And he's like, I'm going to Lordsburg because the man there, plumber who killed my brother, is there. And mm. every, everyone's kind of aware that they all want to get there, but for very different reasons. And no yeah, one's really pressing yeah. at that point. Yeah. Partly because they know there's a patch of news and they've got, you know, their handy band with a shotgun next to them. So they're all just letting it lie for the moment because, you know, I'm sure when they get to Dry Fork, they'll meet the cavalry and everything will be fine. Every, every, yeah, exactly. Everything's done. No, they, um, they oh, goodness me. They've all gone, haven't they? Cavalry's gone chasing off the uh, the Indians, so uh, yeah. they can't do that. So um, this is an interesting point. Actually, they they decide to sit down and talk it out and decide whether to go back or to to press on. Yeah. And um, basically the whole party, most of them just press on. I think um, apart from Buck. Yeah, he wants to. Buck turn wants back. to go back, <laughs> but he, <laughs> he doesn't get a chance. He to doesn't go. get a chance to go. No, he doesn't yeah. get a chance. Which I thought was interesting. I thought this would be, by clearly, you know. Um, Given that Bucky's the you know the stagecoach driver and Curly's the marshal, he could just say we're going. You know, if you don't like yeah. it, you can go by the cavalry. He clearly says let's sit down and talk it so we can get to see all the characters and their motivation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I would have thought it'd be more dramatic if it was like a, a five to four a, a split. If if someone had the deciding yeah, vote. that's true. Because yeah. there's clearly people who who are very invested in turning back. Like you know, poor um poor Peacock. The uh, yeah, the, he doesn't want to go forward, does he? He's got like a wife and kids and said, you know, to be honest, I'd rather just get the next one when, when you're patching out on the water, yeah. if that's all right with you. But they, uh, nothing doing. Um, like I say, Ringo wants to go to kill someone. Um, who is it? The, uh, Doc is just kind of saying, Doc is very philosophical, saying, if there's a bullet with a bottom of a name on it, it'll get me. So until then, I'll just be happy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Dallas wants to go because she needs to get back to... She needs, to, she needs to earn some cash, didn't she? I suppose. Yeah. That, that <laughs> but, is, yeah, I guess you, in fairness, um, I didn't, don't know the actress Claire Trevor, but she, she plays a good hand in this. Um, like there's a moment when uh, the master is just warning everyone, saying, you know, there's, there's yeah. dangerous passion on the loose, you drive at your own risk. And she just looks, saying, what are you trying to do, scare people? <laughs> I know, um, it's one of those, she's one of those actresses that um, she was very, very big in the 30s and 40s in film noir and westerns. And she was in films like Key Largo and stuff like that, but maybe didn't play the absolute top billing. So it was like second or third on on the roster. So it was really, really well known, but has since kind of faded a little bit from memory. Okay. So the, uh, so they press on, they press on to their next stop, which is, uh, again, uh, just to show that it isn't just uh, the uh, Native Americans getting uh, stereotyped here. They press on to a Mexican uh, homestead, yeah, <laughs> who, uh, played by someone who I'm guessing probably uh, wasn't, wasn't Mexican, but ends everything with, I think. Uh, yeah, his name is uh, Chris. Chris. <laughs> yeah. So he, he hands out uh, large amounts of beans to the party. But the, uh, the once again, the army have moved on. They're not there either. This is um, oh, yeah. Apache Wells, the farm said where they're staying at. Uh, and more than that is that um, 
Mrs. Mallory's husband has, uh, has been wounded badly and taken off to Lordsburg. Yeah, yeah, so, um, exactly. So she that, faints, doesn't she? Oh, she heals over in a dead faint. Um, yeah. Um, and then they find out that this very slight woman who uh, has shown no signs before is having a baby. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so they've got, got to deliver this baby. I think by this point, um, every other member of, this, of the, the homestead, apart from Chris, has, has stolen the horses and ridden off because they know the Apache are coming. Yeah. Although not before... Um, Chris's wife, uh, who was uh, Yami Yakima, the um, that's right, yeah. The, she's well, yeah. she's Apache in inverted commas. I, from the look of her, she looked like someone who I don't know was at best uh, Hispanic yeah. with quite a lot of gravy brown. Well, her real name was Maria Elvira Gallegos Rios, and she was ah, a Mexican Apache. singer and actress. Because she has an entire <laughs> singing montage. Um, yeah, she does. It's almost like the calm before the storm, isn't it? I think we're just filling time. I thought, like in like in in the thirties, you needed a musical bit in the oh, movie. I don't know. I don't know. I I viewed I viewed it. I I thought it was the kind of this is the calm before the when it all kicks off because oh, it's quite it's yeah. quite leisurely paced up until this point. Yeah. No. Fair enough. I again, I I didn't I couldn't quite read how movies were made yeah. back then. So I yeah. thought this is the bit. I don't know when they have to change mm. the reel so they pick someone. <laughs> yeah. They'll be like, yeah, they like Laurel and Hardy will start dancing <laughs> in the background or something like that. It'll yeah. be a comic interlude or something. Yeah. <laughs> Nonetheless, everyone's now gone. So it's basically just Chris and the stagecoach gang who yeah. are left with, with you, Mrs. Mallory in labour. Just, um, so really, just before we go on, there's one really good line when um, Chris is introducing oh, yes. his wife Yakima, where where I can't remember who it is, but one of one of them says, oh, "She's a savage." And he goes, I suppose, yes, she is a little savage. <laughs> <laughs> but Chris has some quite good lines because uh, yeah. once they've all run off, he's going, My wife ran away with my horse. I loved it. I used to whip it every day. It's like, Your wife? No, my horse. Where am I going to find another horse? <laughs> yeah. um, uh, but uh, back to the pressing matters of, yeah. of Mrs. Mallory's labor. So they, they need a doctor and they need a sober one. So, um, and this he... doesn't actually work in real life, but Tom <laughs> no, does four enormous cups of scalding he coffee. Says, yeah, because Boone says, I need coffee. Black coffee. Yeah. Lots of it. <laughs> it's really <laughs> in, good. Yeah, in fairness to Boone, he, when he realises what's going on, he, yeah. he takes the uh, the challenge right away. He does. So he That's enough coffee, to sober you up, up, though, isn't it, really? Yeah. Black coffee. Well, you see, again, I, I had this on good authority that you know, coffee will just make you alert and drunk rather than sleepy and drunk. No, but but if you've suddenly got to deliver a child, that might make that you, will sober you stone right, cold yeah. sober. <laughs> So uh, um, and again, the, the men all are kind of you know uh, wait anxiously, smoking cigars in the room. Um, Boone and uh, and Dallas go in and they deliver Mrs. Mallory a new baby, who they they christen Coyote, which to be honest, I think is a fantastic thing. I could watch a sequel of a young young baby Coyote riding across the plains like yeah, a true good, yeah. yeah. Uh, there you go. There's your sequel. You never happened. It's a seventy years. Stagecoach two. <laughs> Coyote's revenge. Trip. Coyote's return. Brilliant. Um, so, you know, little baby you didn't, get, you didn't get sequels, really, did you? He didn't. Did the... he? Just got, no, nah. they, they just they just made other films because they they, they could be creative. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, they so the, uh, the the baby is delivered. I mean, Doc Boone is now in in high esteem. He was uh, oh, considered yes. basically a, a, a basically a drunk, but now you know he's clapped on the back and he's a. Uh, um, you know, the uh, the local uh, peacock is handing him samples as fast as he can and this kind of stuff. <laughs> well, in the meantime as well, obviously, uh, Ringo well, Kid's like, loins are well, getting a little bit hot under the collar, collar aren't they? <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll pause his loins for a moment because I thought it was one nice moment when uh, oh, yeah. there's uh, the... Um, what's, who's the banker's name? Uh, Gatewood. Is, Gatewood, yeah. He's basically... he's I think he's 
generally being randomly racist because Gay- Gaywood never has anything nice to do. No. But uh, at that point, uh, he, he's, he's poured himself a glass of whiskey and one for Doc. And then Doc just says, I'm not going to drink with you. And he goes away and he throws his whiskey in the fire. So it's like he's, even yeah. Doc, who's been cadging whiskey off everybody yeah. for the entire film. He's got shows standards. He that. But yes, back to the Ringo Kid's loins because he sees um, he sees Dallas cradling a child. Oh, that, that's yeah. enough to think, Ooh, woman with child. Must have- <laughs> One <laughs> woman only, with child. If only he knew. Just don't go there. <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> so he's, uh, yeah, he's, he's all he's all like, oh, what a, what a wonderful wife and mother Stalas would make. So he um he uh, he pitches his hat to. He kind of you know he proposes marriage and this kind of stuff. Uh, I've got a bit. nice ranch in Mexico. Yeah, yeah, he's so doing all right. It's just, it's a pretty big euphemism, that isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's got a brand new combine harvester. <laughs> Uh, but you know he uh, they have a nice moment. He basically you know he's uh, he's he's, uh, he's 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 throwing himself at his at her feet. And, you know, he's, he's genuine, uh, isn't he? He's genuine. Yeah. I mean, in fact, yeah, John Wayne does play this rather well as the kind of the, oh, the big lunk with a heart gold. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, again, Dallas is a bit more trepidatious because she yeah, basically says, you know, if, if we get into any kind of town, he'll know what I am. Um, <laughs> yeah. And again, then Doc Boone is kind of the other person they both go to with this because he's he's a, he's an honest uh, broker. So she she talks to him about worried she is, and he's he's the one that kind of steers um, Ringo into her path anyway, saying mm. you know she, she wants a word with you. Go on, you go and have a chat with her. So things things are left to that. Um, but basically, Ringo thinks he's not worthy of her because he's a, an escaped convict, um, yeah. and he's he's about to, at her insistence, take the last horse and ride off to uh, to to Liberty and across the border to his ranch. Um, oh, what does he see though? Eagles and the uh, and the foreboding Tom Toms. Um, there they are. Yeah, exactly. Uh oh. He, he doesn't ride off, and in fact, he's now uh, he, they handcuff him because uh, yeah. uh, Kirk thought he was trying to escape, which indeed he was. <laughs> and they, uh, <laughs> yeah, it was a justified assumption, really. He was it? actually just trying to escape. Yeah, but they uh, basically decide now, let's just go for it. I think they they carry on riding. They come to uh, oh yeah, a, a, a river crossing with a bridge been burnt and people yeah. massacred. Uh, I think uh, Hatfield has to kind of cover up a, a dead body with his with his coat. Um, but uh, they they improvise their way across the river by sort of lashing logs to the uh, yep. the thing. <laughs> it was one thing. They were I think they're trying to be shown they lighten the load and Buck throws uh, Ringo's saddle. All Ringo had was a saddle and a shotgun, yeah. and he puts his saddle because his horse was late. He, threw his, he yeah. puts his saddle on the roof of the the stagecoach, and to lighten the load, Buck flings it off and just says, "Sorry about your cat, your saddle, kid." But that's all he does. That's the only thing that gets thrown off the cliff. Yeah. <laughs> it's full of 10 people now. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, that really helped. That saddle would have made life or death. Saddles were notoriously heavy in the 1860s. <laughs> yeah. But nonetheless, they, 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 the they manage it, though, didn't they? Come on, you know, it worked. If, if, maybe if it was for that saddle, they'd have sunk. Indeed. So they get across the river. I will say, though, again, as, as uh, Curly is riding shotgun, that Buck is doing his you know, thing of GGing the horses yeah, in the race. Yeah. Curly's lobbing rocks at them. For one yeah. thing, <laughs> all the time. Whenever they need yeah. to go fast, that's his accelerator. Yeah. He's lobbing rocks at the horses. And for the, that's a lot of rocks. Um, where's he getting I mean, them from? I mean, well, well, that's that's gonna, that weighs more than a saddle. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say, I know where he's getting the rocks from. It's the it's the Wild West. I don't mean that. They're everywhere. But I mean. He has a lot of them, though, doesn't he? He has a lot of rocks. It's very dramatic. He's constantly flinging rocks at the horses to make them yeah. go faster. And yeah, and it's like, uh, yeah, you know, maybe they should have removed one or two rocks and there'd be a space <laughs> yeah. for a saddle. Although they do need the rocks in a scene. Oh, they need don't the rocks they? because once they've made it across, um, well, they've made it across the river and yeah, it's another hour to Lordsburg. They've made it. Yeah. Phew. They Phew got away with it that time. Yeah, exactly. But no, bump, what yeah. should happen? But um, a quite fantastically shot arrow, considering all the other arrows missed. It's fluke, it is. Goes through the window, plunges into the heart of poor Mr. Peacock. Yeah, I know. 
the, the yeah. He's and then he there he is flopping down, being yeah, struck with an arrow. Yeah, and, and yeah, there's not a lot of flopping in this stage because there's now there's now a baby as well. Just <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. So they've it got is. eight passengers inside this thing that was literally designed for four. Yeah. Um, and one of them is John Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's um, true. But uh, but the, again, I'm sure the, the Apache attacking Geronimo and his guys are attacking. Yeah, they're, so, there, they're there, aren't they? Off the, off the stagecoach, you know, kicks into fifth gear, um, which just means bigger rocks are the horses. Yeah, exactly, bigger rocks. <laughs> and, they're, yeah. and they're charging the bed. This a heck of a set piece. So they, well, they go. They, they, yeah, they 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 um they head towards this open plain, don't they? Um, which looks like it goes on forever, and yeah. the, it's oh, it's an it's incredibly thrilling scene. Oh yeah, and it's, it's charging along again. They got um, they got Apache on on horses chasing after them, shooting. Yeah, they're, they're picking them off. Um, with the uh, again, Kurt, um, was it uh, Ringo jumps on the roof as well, and he's picking yeah. them off to his own. People there's, are leaning out of the passage with their guns. There are stunts where there's like an Apache that jumps onto the horse. Oh, that, and that, then that. and then gets shot, and then goes under the horses and under the stagecoach. It's incredible yeah. stunt. So we say, uh, yeah, we're an Apache, a, a actual human being stunt yeah. man did this. There's yeah. no dummy. He actually did the thing. And they did it once because they thought he was lucky to survive that. Yeah, Yakima Kanat um, was his name. Oof, that was. Incredible. I know. I mean, yeah. What? I mean, this. I mean, that was just one stunt. It was yeah, loads there's, there's, going there's on. Other times again was um was it does it uh, who was it John Wayne who who jumps on the horses to steady them? It's John Wayne. Rain. Yeah, I don't know whether yeah, it's actually Ringo John Wayne. But... Leaps out. Yeah, <laughs> Ringo leaps out onto the horses when they incredible. leave the reins to, to, to steady them. They've got yeah. I mean, even when the Apache again, we're saying incredible stunts. Apparently, they lost quite a lot of horses. Yeah, because the, they, the, they used the tripwire thing, didn't they? Yeah, and it turns out when when you trip a horse in full gallop, it'll either break its legs or its neck. Or so. <laughs> I mean, yeah. the the stunt man were, were were good to survive. The horses yeah. not so much. No, um, I think they lost ten or fifteen horses doing doing that one. I bet it was sequence. a hell of a barbecue at the rat party. <laughs> But um, John, uh, John Ford, who, the director, was asked, why didn't the Apaches just shoot the horses? Yeah. Uh, to which he responded, because that would have been the end of the film. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's I suppose it, the, answer is the Apache aren't very good shots by this time, because that, that, that apart from that, that fateful arrow, um, they, 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 wing, they wing start, back. Didn't they? Yeah, they wing back with a bullet. Yeah. Um, but they're getting, they, they, but there's just so many of them, and they. they, but they it's brilliantly filmed. Them. It's brilliantly filmed because oh. the, the camera's sweeping across the stagecoach in front of it, behind it. There's lots of and long they are takes. Going fast. And, oh, yeah, it's proper. You know, hundred miles. Well, I mean, hundred. You know, sixty mile an hour horses and a stagecoach going at it. It's brilliant work. <laughs> the, the, the stagecoach has six horsepower, so yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I thought it was excellent. It was really, really good. So they're they're really going for it. And um and but again the bullets run out. They they're all they're all out yeah, again. There's yeah. so many Apache. So um Hatfield yeah. then um I mean also uh again the uh the, the woman folk aren't particularly helpful. I suppose uh, Dallas is cradling the babies. So that's her job. Uh, yeah. Lucy Mallory is basically pressing her head against the side and praying a lot. Um, yeah. And so Hatfield with with his single bullet thinks I'll do the merciful thing. And, yeah. uh, and all we see is this revolver out of shot tremblingly pressed against her head yeah. um, but then it, it falls out of his hand because Hatfield yeah. has been killed oh, um, no, exactly yeah because you don't want to get caught by the Apache do you well yeah yeah, yeah. Better, better than taking life although clearly everyone else was going to be stabbed <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> Mind you, if they had ten bullets for each passenger, they'd probably fight a few more of them. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, so Hatfield is killed by uh, yeah, he's back killed, on the act yeah. of mercy on Mrs. Yeah. Mallory, but that was not needed for her. Prayers were answered, and along come the bugles of the cavalry. So yeah, writing even faster <laughs> the uh, the uh, the seventh cavalry or uh, the uh, the, reg- the American cavalry um, charging in, driving away the Apache, who immediately think better of attacking the stagecoach, and the day is saved. Yeah. But that's not the end of the film, is it? That's not the end of the film, because they got to Lordsburg, now they've got to take care of their business. So, they're going to um, take care of their business, they do. So the, the, the various people get sorted out, so um, obviously Hatfield is dead, um, Mr yeah. Peacock, he's not dead, his life was saved by Doc, so uh, that was quite yeah, nice. Yeah. And, uh, I and mean, he... that's a good doctor that can save someone from being shot by an arrow in his heart. <laughs> Well, I don't. I don't want to. You know, gather. we may watch other Western movies where you'll find that arrows are not quite as lethal as you know getting shot. Um, I suppose. Yeah. And an arrow is you now just a bit of wood. In you. It's like a, a very big splinter, really. But in your heart. <laughs> That's actually, even a medium-sized splinter in your heart is probably going to be fatal. <laughs> I think you'll find he was probably carrying one of his whiskey samples in his breast That's pocket. what it is. That's, That's what, what it is. Yeah, but it. again, uh, Hatfield again, he's one of he's he's oh, sorry, Peacock. He's he's very meek and he's uh, and he's he's constantly getting pursued. But he's a decent guy. And in fact, he's um, as he gets carted away, he does stop Dallas and just says, "You're welcome at my house anytime you like." And he's he's been progressively nicer to Dallas, who has been ostracised for most of the movie. So that was quite a nice touch. But she can't remember his name though, because he <laughs> one of the running gags is that no one can remember his name. No. Uh, so he, he has to remind her that it's Peacock. Yeah. <laughs> Even that really kind of heartfelt moment at the end. Uh, poor Peacock. Again, you, you, you look at this this crew and you think, oh yeah, I'd be I'd be the the stagehand. I'd be the uh, the guy. Oh, I'd be Peacock. We'd all be Peacock. We yeah, are all Peacock. We would all this. be Peacock, wouldn't we? Yeah. Only a psychopath would be John Wayne. Absolutely. Um, but uh, uh, but Gatewood gets an immediate comeuppance. He basically he comes off the coach, yeah, clutching his ill-gotten gains. He actually took almost no part in the battle, did he? He was he was completely useless. Um, I think he was mostly just complaining that they 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 were in this situation in the first place. Yeah. Uh, but then the master goes, and who are you? I'm Henry Gatewood. Ah, oh, you didn't think our telegram was working, did you? <laughs> and he's really just cut it off. They just grab him and, and arrest him. Yeah. So that's the end of his subplot. Um, but to the main characters, obviously, oh. that, uh, yes, Ringo, he's, he's got two uh, two affairs to take care of. One is with Dallas and the other was with uh, Luke Plummer, who um, yeah. we've never Man seen who before. killed his brother and father. But we do know, yeah, we do know that he's got beef with him. Um, Plummer and his yes. two brothers as well. So he's, yeah. um, um, and Plummer, so, Plummer's, in, Plummer's in the local saloon, isn't he? It's one of the first times we cut away from the stagecoach crew, isn't it? It is actually, we, yeah. We see Luke Plummer, who's a mean-looking character with, I must say, the biggest pair of chaps you can imagine. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's just he's just almost like a pair of chaps with a, a small human attached to them, like a muppet or something. <laughs> I mean, he looks dangerous, but they're big chaps. They are, aren't they? Yeah. I mean, I, I guess now it looks a bit ridiculous, but I suppose it it was supposed to be, um, it was supposed to be authoritative, wasn't it? <laughs> it's now it just looks it. a bit daft. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so uh, so Luke Plum's in there, and um, I think again. Uh, Curly is is basically spelling it out for for Ringo, saying you know you yeah. can't face Luke Plummer. If you do, he's got his two brothers. You can't face them either. I was taking him into protective custody to to save you. And um, I think uh, Ringo basically says, "Look, you just don't go and do it. I've got to face it. I can't run from it." Yeah, yeah. So they uh, they hand him his, his Winchester, for which he kept back three bullets um, to to take care of things. So he, he uh, and Dallas takes him on his long walk um, to off to confront them. Uh, she goes and, past the brothels, doesn't she? Yeah. Uh, the bordellos and i think by that time probably ringo is aware of, <laughs> of dallas's former trade but he, yeah. didn't, he didn't seem to mind does he no no 
And uh, again, setting things up further is that Buck bursts in um, to the other uh, saloon and just says, Ringo Kid's coming for you, Luke. And yeah. so Luke seems a bit rattled by this, partly because he's been dealt a poker hand, which is aces over eight, which is in his yeah. dead man's hand. So Yeah, that's, that's a great thing. scene as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he, he kind of demands the shotgun from the uh, the barkeep. Um, yeah. He's about to, and his brother's come in and he's about to walk off with all of them. And then he's confronted by Doc Boone, who's, who's immediately found the saloon, obviously. Yeah. Um, and he confronts him too. He's basically saying, leave the shotgun here. And I'll I'm get you indicted for murder. Yeah, this must this must be a nice thing because you're allowed, I guess, six shooters. There's just like you know your your personal gun, but if you walk out with again weapons, it's, yeah. it's going to be seen as um I guess uh, premeditated. Yeah. So he says, yeah, you can you take that shotgun out there, and I'll have you indicted for murder. And um, and Luke indeed just he throws a shotgun back at the barkeep. Um, at which point Boone is like, never let me do that again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's terrified, isn't he? But once again, he stood up for his mates. That was right. Yeah. So um. So the the plumber boys uh, are walking down the town, and uh, and Ringo, having bid Dallas a farewell, is walking back with them. And uh, we don't actually see them; they, they walk and they slowly walk and they slowly walk. And there's there's lots of yeah. pacing into the dark. It's very dark and everything, uh, yes. as shown by when one of the plumber brothers tries to shoot like a rat or something and misses at four feet. Yeah, um, which which bodes well for for Ringo's chances. It does, it does. And then you get cut away to the the, the printing press where yes. um, they're about to print the next day's um, paper, and he goes, I don't know, George, uh, scrap scrap the headline about the con- the conservative um or oh, sorry the republican conference uh ring ringo kid killed <laughs> put yeah. that down i didn't hear any guns you, you will as <laughs> <laughs> so ringo faces them all down and uh and as this fighting back he drops to the ground which doesn't seem yeah. quite sporting but must be quite effective and yeah. three shots ring out um and then back at the saloon the doors go open luke Plummer walks in yeah. was he walking or was he staggering Oh, he's staggering he's because he's been shot, it? and down he goes yeah. dead. So uh, Ringo has taken out all three plumber boys with three shots, um, but he's you know he's now got to go back and face the music off to the penitentiary. He's uh he's promised uh he's made Curly promise that he'll take Dallas to his his um his ranch where he should wait for him. So um Curly just says you know says do you want to sit up top with Dallas for a minute? And so he sets them both in the driving seat, and then does he throw a rock? He probably does. He throws, yeah, he throws another, a rock. That's what he does. He throws yeah, another he throws rock. He's just a rock. rock. Yeah. at the horses so he's basically he's deliberately stampeded the horses so they'll ride off with uh with dallas and, uh, and ringo and oops my prisoners escaped because in fact yeah. curly always had a soft spot for um for ringo and in fact the yeah. part of the reason he was taken to custody was to protect him from um getting killed by the plumber boys yeah and, and he's foregone he... the 500 dollars as well now i know so, yeah. and the reason he went on the whole trip in the first place was to and because he knew that luke Plummer was in in mm. lordsburg and that ringo would be going straight for him so yeah, this was an entire plan to spare him, um, and so he does. And off into the sunset ride, Ringo and Dallas, and That's this end. stagecoach. Very good, very good. Only forty minutes. <laughs> <laughs> it never changes, does it? I imagine it'll be shorter when I cut up my impression. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I know John Wayne talks slowly, but whew, you, <laughs> but we shall leave you to uh, to rifle through your whiskey samples. As we, uh, as we take a short break and we'll return with, uh, with some analysis on, oh. on what this uh, truly remarkable film is all about. Mm. Welcome back, dear listener. Um, you're, I, have you got your, you've got your spurs on. Oh, I'm just rubbish. I can't do it. In fact, the more <laughs> obvious a film that would be, you know, good for quips, the the less I find it possible for me to do them. Um, you know, have you filled filled your 
oh, uh, bags full of rocks. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Excellent segue. <laughs> anyway, let's let's talk about analysis. Now, what we would normally do, well, well, what we would normally do in Weekend at Crombies is say, so Hugh, tell me why you chose this film. But obviously, we we, we aren't going to do that because it's Weekend at Crombies too. I They've forgot. Got five minutes there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but this is the first film, isn't it, on our journey into the West uh, yeah. stage. It's obviously, it's not the earliest Western by any stretch of the imagination. You know, West John Ford, for example, was making Westerns in the silent era um, 10, 15 years before this. Um, but I think I think it's possibly the Western that cements the genre in the modern eye i guess really in the modern mind as, as to what a western is even though it you know it's a very specific type of of film a character study but i think this is what really sets the the genre running in the in the 20th century really yeah because again it uh i'm, I'm older from age when actually the phrase cowboys and indians was actually used as, as a game you played yeah me and too this is this is, this yeah. is literally this is film it. about the Cowboys and Indians. It is, it is, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, it is. Um, Native Americans, we should say, but this, this is using the yeah, sure, yeah, of course, and you know, I'm sure, I'm sure that, I'm sure that we'll, I'm sure that we'll delve into some of the kind of more troubling aspects of the genre um, yeah, yeah. As, as we go th- as we go through each of the films. And, you know, we, we, we're talking about troubling aspects of the genre right up probably to the 60s and 70s, to be honest. Yeah. Um, I would say but, the, the best the best thing um, we can dive into the, the analysis probably, uh, right away. The best thing that can be said about um, the, this depiction of again, of First Nation peoples yeah. is it doesn't give them much to do. So therefore, no. the, the less they do or say, yeah. the, less, the better it's going to age, because anything they do or say won't age well. Um, yeah, that's true, actually. And I guess in the end, when we do see them, it's part of a big set piece. And as set pieces go, that may be something that might have happened. Right. We don't we, yeah. don't, we don't have to pass judgment on the reasons. We could just enjoy the spectacle. Exactly. If it had they cut to, say, Geronimo reasoning why this was yeah. why he was doing this, it might have gone it'd be, it'd be far for us. Even yeah. even the, um, the, the, the the Cheyenne scout who's in the army side, doesn't speak, I'm thinking. And no, even doesn't. though it's like, oh, well, the army is speaking for him, it's probably a good thing he didn't speak because nothing he said would have, would have probably been authentic or yeah. very, um, very appropriate. Yeah, so, so the, yeah, um, you're right. So the fact that they, 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 yeah, they did. And it's the fact that, that they're, they're kept relatively in the background, um, I think is, is it, it helps in the enjoyment of the film, I guess. And I mean yeah. that in the sense that I don't have to feel as guilty as, as, yeah. as enjoying a film like this, yeah. knowing ultimately ultimately in in this context geronimo is just almost like yeah it's a force of nature that's that's coming to, to yes, be a problem for him it absolutely. used to be a hurricane it is a yeah. it is a an overwhelming physical threat um, yeah. that they have they've all they can do is evade they can't They're almost they can't spectral it. right i mean you know yeah, it's, yeah. He's, he's not he's, he's almost he's he's a human isn't he he's, yeah. he's not it, it's his, it's just his name it's his name in this yeah. film which but is it's, it's, causing yeah, fear it's, yeah. it's a criminal storm coming it's like there's, there's yes, something coming absolutely yeah they, they yeah. can't they can only outrun it they all brave it they can't do anything about it so yeah all the kind of the politics and the unfortunate implications that go with that are yeah. kind of avoided because apart from again one enormous set piece and the odd silhouette of people with feathers in their hair and tom-tom yeah. sounding yeah. and not lot is made of that which is it's probably to its it's what's lasted so well actually actually yeah you're right and most of the confrontation that comes in the film are actually 
there's social confrontations, aren't they? It's about class and it's about uh, retribution and it's about revenge uh, amongst um, amongst the main characters, really. So, and and that's where I think it has its strengths as well. So, I mean, let's let's dive into the analysis, shall yeah, we? Um, I, I mean, as and again, look. Okay, I'm sure that our thoughts and our views and our reasoning around Westerns will mature as we go through the year. So, you know, listeners, forgive me for perhaps being, you know, less knowledgeable about them at the moment. But um, this is one of those films where, although I haven't seen it before, I have obviously seen it before, right? I might not have seen any single scene of this film, but I've seen this film in hundreds of other films. Um, And what I would say is that often when that happens the the immediate reaction of watching the original i i guess or or the thing that started it all is a bit underwhelming because you think well i've seen this all done before i've probably seen it done better you know a bit more modern i'm not sure i could say that with stagecoach because from a from my own kind of view on this it although it's the archetypal um, strangers coming together in a particular position when there's a, a threat that they have to avoid. Um, and and it, it meets those kind of archetypal, stereotypical kind of Western tropes. It does it with a lot of panache and a huge amount of um, humanity, right? And I think because of that, I, I tended to really engage with the film on its own terms without thinking about the things that it influenced. Yeah, um, it was, I was strong enough on its own. I'd agree with that. And I was I was almost of the same impression. I was expecting to see something that, that set the tone and therefore I'd recognise a lot from it. And I yeah. did. But I didn't yeah, ever feel bored or repetitive of what I was seeing. It was it was quite it was very enjoyable. You could you could easily just get carried along. It's like, yeah, I, this is a black and white thing, they're riding across sound stages sometimes. Yeah. But none of that matters because you're you're very much involved in the plot. Like again, the performances put in. Again, Thomas Mitchell, again, if you won the Oscar, I'm not surprised. He's is a very good performance in there. Again, John Wayne, again, despite uh ten years in the in the doldrums, almost a debut performance, um, and this kind of stuff. Well it's, he's it's your all... everyman, isn't he? He he yeah. is your everyman in this and he plays yeah. it perfectly. Yeah, and it's 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 all very good. Again, the 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 way it's paced, the way they think they're going to reach safety yeah. and then they don't, and then they think they're going to reach safety and yeah. then they don't. Um, and also, I guess the it is it's it's the things you you don't appreciate now that I think were, were being done for the first time, like the fact it was a almost a single location, yeah, confined in that, yeah. Yeah. Um, with with the dis- disparate characters who don't have a lot in common. It's not like it's a gang of cowboys who know all of the same type. They're they're not a posse, they're, are they? They exactly. are a ragtag bunch of different people from different sides of the tracks. Yeah. Um, and they oh, you're all gonna have con- yeah, you're gonna yeah, have you, conflict again. You are, think, yeah. um, Doc Boone was uh, a doctor in the Union Army, and yeah, um, and, you know, was it um, was it Hatfield, Hatfield was, a was a Confederate? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, will, I, will yeah, say, yeah. I don't know whether they did they did this because of again the way the movie was made. It he's uh, he doesn't have much of a southern accent for, for, for a no, he doesn't, soldier. does he? Yeah, he and doesn't. I, I, I work, he's almost got well, like kind of Pathé News voice. I mean, John <laughs> Carroll has got a very distinctive voice anyway, yeah, he does, but yeah. I, was, I wasn't getting the the uh, old Virginia from him. But no, he's not there's no drawl in him, yeah. is there? <laughs> yeah, um, and it might be because you know, there's, there's like you just gotta get the words across, <laughs> don't get creative yeah. with it. Yeah. Um, because it's not Lamarck, apart from obviously the American, the uh, John, that was another thing. Actually, John Wayne was very distinctive in his voice as well. It's like yeah. it, uh, when you come across, um, 
you know, even though there were massive set pieces in the stagecoach chase, a lot of this film is done with with just acting. It's like it's, it's anticipating yeah, it games all bouncing off yeah. each other because yeah. there's conflict all around. There's all sorts. You know, no one likes the banker. The uh, the gambler. Yeah. He, yeah. Doc, doctor's not a banker. No one likes the poor at Dallas. And this guy, the Meek, is trying to get on with everybody, but no one can remember his name. So yeah. the, there's, there's, you know, there are nine people on this stagecoach, and every interaction is something different. Yeah, every yeah, and I don't think a, there's not a lot of filler in the film. I know that you talked about the uh, the, the 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 musical sequence with with yeah. um, uh, Yakima. Um, but I, I kind of saw that. I, I mean, I saw that slightly different. I did see that as a bit of the calm before the storm. I don't. I didn't see a lot of filler in this film. And again, it's my prejudice, perhaps. But certainly, films from the from the 30s, anyway, less so maybe a bit later, but certainly from the 30s, they, they there's a lot of. I don't know. There's a lot of skirting around conversations and you know not getting to, from A to B very easily. Really, in, in yeah, kind of plot yeah. development times, it's almost like they're trying to work out what a film should be almost um and this kind of nails the plot really well and the propulsiveness of the plot the plot so it's just what, what i like about this is it's a really simple idea it's not complicated at all it's about people interacting characters interacting with each other and having challenge with each other um and and that there's this threat that they have to get away from. It's, it's just very simple, but it's quite effective because of that. And it's not a long film, you know, it's 95 minutes, but there's not a, I don't think there's any real chaff in it. There's no shoe leather. It's yeah. it's all properly constructed and put together. And even, even what m might be in a different film, more grating characters like um, Peacock or... Um, Buck, for example, I think work in this because they're archetypes of a time. They're archetypes, aren't they? And yeah. so therefore they represent a particular individual characteristic or character who who you need to, who needs to work through a particular process in a scene. Each character is given their own screen time as well. So although Claire Trevor and John Wayne are the nominal stars of the film, I think actually everybody's giving given enough screen time for you to develop your feelings for those characters. You know, yeah. whether you like them or not, you you get time with them. And I think that's really important as well. Not something I expected from a film of this age. Yeah, I would. Again, I, I agree with you there. Again, a lot of the characters are really nicely rounded. I mean, I mean, Doc Boone, I think probably one of the, the biggest arcs because he actually has to yeah. go through an arc to get there. Um, likewise, getting Claire Trevor, um, uh, Dallas and Ringo and this kind of yeah. stuff. I think um Gatewood, I think, is one of the more two-dimensional characters. Yeah, I Jesse think so. Yeah, <laughs> he is, yeah. And yeah. I think it would be nice to have had more from him um, as he realises that, you know, his money's not going to buy him out of this trouble. Yeah, or, that's or, true. Yeah, or even though his motivation is yeah. Because he kind of does it just because like, he's a bit bored of his wife, it seems like. He's, he's <laughs> more to take the money and run. <laughs> Haven't um, we so all I... thought about taking the money and run, though, have we? <laughs> <laughs> I can't run with my knees anymore. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's true. Uh, but I did, uh, like I said, I'd um, like to have had that more again before we get picking. It was just a great movie, but I thought that wasn't very rounded. I also thought, again, um, <laughs> it's probably just a prejudice, is that um, Mrs. Mallory just wasn't very nice to, uh, to poor Dallas. And, like, Dallas no, he, was doing... I'd say even toward the end, she wasn't very nice. I know, she was so cold. It's like um, Dallas was like, you know, this is a woman who was like, apparently in month line nine of pregnancy, so clearly in a yeah. same way. And she was going, if you want to sit next to me, you can lean your head against my shoulder. It's okay, yeah. I, you know, you can do that. And she's like, no, I'd rather press against this cold wooden wall of the stagecoach. Thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, well, that's what yeah. quite, I mean, you're right, she's very cold. But again, in the stagecoach, you've got all forms of life, haven't you? You've got all, yeah. people from the different social strikes. Um, Ringo says in the film i i guess you can't break out of prison and into society in the same week which is yeah, a great yeah. line 
Yeah, I, I, yeah, and I guess suppose I mean there are limits to what they could do. I mean, the closest that they uh, they got to uh, to Dallas it was when you know Claire Trevor was stepping on the stagecoach and she saw about half an inch of ankle. And yeah. It was like, yeah. Uh, it's like, oh, she's a fallen woman. <laughs> and then I suppose that was most fair indication. So I guess you know, had she played a bit more broadly again, let's say you know she'd stepped out of the, the set of Deadwood or whatever and was quite more obviously a, a small yeah. prostitute, yeah, you could yeah. understand why maybe um, Mrs. Mallory was like, I'm having nothing to do with your shoulder. Yeah, that's true, uh, isn't it? So you have, maybe have to interpret some things along that. But you're right about everything being thrown together. And if they'd piled up, it would have been less dramatic because there's less you know less tension going on if yeah. there's a good pal. Yeah. Well, they become they all become friends by the end. It's quite nice how they, like you know, when I suppose you need someone like um, who is it? The like uh, Greek Gatewood to to be mean because then you get like um, well both, Hatfield Hatfield has a redemptive point yeah. as well. So you, yeah. you need Gatefield to be mean so that the other characters can shine. Yeah, and they they just say yeah, leave him alone. He's in handcuffs. Yeah. Well, you just yeah. shut up, Gatewood, this kind of stuff. So it's yeah, it's um, it's it's great how they all thrown together. And again, I was reading somewhere, and this might be an obvious thing, is that this is almost the 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 forerunner of the disaster movie because you have a group of characters <laughs> yeah. thrown together in yeah. in a closed and unescapable situation. You know so what? We'll... So that was really weird, Hugh, because I, I hadn't read that, but I was thinking. You know, in the segment where we say, well, what other films might you watch? Yeah. I was thinking of Airplane. Ah, right. I was thinking uh, of the lifeboat. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, not not because it's anything like this, but because there is there are groups of disparate people come together, and you all they all have a clip or a scene where you yeah. get to know them, and there is a threat and danger where they have to come together and, um, you know, deliver or deal with a particular kind of problem or circumstance. Yeah. You know, the Poseidon adventure might be another one. Yeah. When you say airplane, do you mean the uh, the spoof one, or is it? The, no, there's, there's one. There's John Wayne is in is in some kind of air disaster movie, isn't he? Where uh, do I mean airport? Or do I mean airport? I think it's airport. Because airplane I think it's airport. Is, is I mean, comedy, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah I don't. No, I, heard, I don't yeah. mean the airport. No, I mean airport. Then, yeah. Yeah, the, the, yeah, the one with it because I remember, yeah, John, <laughs> I did see that one, and you're right, it is that same kind of thing of passengers being brought together, uh, but the, it has the hilarious conclusion because the plane isn't. When you compare with later disaster movies like the Poseidon Adventure and, yeah. and the Tarot where there's real body counts going yeah. on, this is a very mild disaster movie. Oh, there's, there's basically there's the characters are in the airplane, they they all talk, they'll get a bit worried that they might not land, but they do it. It's all sorts of But the way it's solved is basically the pilot's not quite sure he can make this tricky maneuver. So John Wayne, who is either a co-pilot or just a pilot who happens to be passing by just sits there and slaps him in the face a few times says you can do it it's like okay i'll do it then it's like, really? and then does it it's pretty much like you just hits him a few times like, you can do it it's like, okay <laughs> why did i think of that oh no <laughs> well, John Wayne, if... to see him like punching the ship into yeah, their face <laughs> i'm gonna Wayne. turn your turtle back over man. <laughs> oh god no that's two, <laughs> that's two in an hour <laughs> if i was punched by john wayne i might do things that he tells me to do as well i don't know <laughs> Um, actually, interesting about the. Um, so I've always wondered this about portrayals of prostitutes in film, right? In westerns, particularly. So, if you look at if you look at films from this era, from the the nineteen thirties and, and and earlier even, um, the the prostitute is portrayed as m- much like Dallas is portrayed here. Um, you know, she's she's a fallen woman and she's ostracized, but she's good hearted and she is almost quite respectable in the way that she dresses and, and actually holds yeah. herself. Whereas if you if you cut to, say, you know, the 90s and the 2000s and, and a program like Dead, is it Deadwood? Deadwood, yeah. Yeah. And the portrayal of prostitutes in that is much more 
um, bawdy and much more um, sexualized, isn't it? And part of me thinks, well, it's obviously more sexualized because society has moved to a more sexualized approach of filmmaking. But what I don't know is what was the reality of the prostitute in the 1850s to the 1890s, for example. Now, I can't imagine it would be like how Dallas is portrayed, but equally, would it I, would it be like how it's portrayed in Deadwood either? I mean, what's the reality? We'll never know, I suppose, we'll right? Never we'll know. never know. Well, yeah, I suppose, like I say, you could know from whatever footage survived, but of course you're not going to get a, a photo taken of a prostitute in situ. Um, <laughs> and interesting you mentioned Deadwood. Is that... Literally in situ. <laughs> <laughs> Deadwood did have both, actually. It had... It had um, Oh, really? it here said there are gradations of, of, uh, of brothels. So you had the ones who were sort of just wearing dirty shifts uh, and not much else. And then you had the ones who were dressed up with the bonnets and everything mm. because these different clientele pay different amounts and they, they expect different things. So it might have been some... That's what it's like now, I guess, <laughs> as well, isn't it? Um, <laughs> I well, I suppose it is. But, and again, I suppose, you know, in, in some respects, the reality of um, towns in, you know, in um, in the Western... Uh, you know, I, I would. They, they they come across as quite, I mean, lawless places, I guess. And you know, you 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 risk you risk life and limb in them. But I I imagine they were far worse in reality <laughs> than, than anything that's portrayed in film. I don't yeah. know. It's just something I I, it, it, I just don't. You never know what. This is an example of history being written by cinema, isn't it? Yeah, like, yeah. You, you know, the reality of history is written by the images we see, and Stagecoach has put that in your in my psyche in about what what the what the what the old west was like i guess to a certain extent it's this this is what i think of when i think of the old west yeah yeah it's interesting that it's um because i remember seeing the trailer for it and it was basically the, the trailer it was like a 1930s trailer obviously yeah. had the announcer shouting at the audience yeah. <laughs> his, his pitch was basically like it was like we are living in the age of the uh the aeroplane the, the aromatic plane and the uh and the, the locomotive engine um and he also said we live in the age of zeppelins i'm thinking that's not that's not but don't put your money on zeppelins yeah we live <laughs> in the age of the beta max <laughs> but he's like all this but you know but but within living memory our our forebears rode the stagecoach across the land i'm thinking yeah in like 1939 you'd probably have someone who says yeah my granny rode the stage oh, easy, so yeah yeah and so it's yeah this this was living memory i'll say that's the scary thing about living memories we mentioned you know we recognize these voices you know one was fry attack one was um yeah, yeah, one was yeah. the great i was like oh my god so from my perspective 1939 wasn't that long ago because they were clearly, i remember watching movies with these people in them yeah mad isn't it when you think of it like that it's bonkers um yeah so i mean what i'll come on to i'll come on to the the, the set piece again in a minute because that's worth kind of dwelling on as well but yeah, um yeah. what 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 was interesting about the film as well was that you've got and again i i, I have an expectation of, of what i i thought i might be watching with stagecoach and it would be it would be a lot of um rather hammy action sequences between um john wayne and in, in um, native americans you know that's yeah. what i would i just i don't know why i just in my head i was thinking god this is going this is going to be really kind of embarrassing isn't it it's going to be like lost and yeah. it wasn't any yeah. of that it actually spent most of the film not doing anything action related <laughs> and, yeah. and for its benefit as well it took it took a long time establishing the characters before it got anywhere near a set piece 
Yeah, there's lots of talk about it. Lots of talk about who's got the guns, who can shoot, all this kind of stuff. And everybody's, it's not everybody's, everybody's braced for it. It's, it's not dull. It's, it's yeah. character-driven, isn't it? And then like, what that means is when you get to the actual set piece, when it happens, when it kicks off, and, you know, we're, we're not talking a 20-minute set piece. It's not a Mission Impossible-style set piece, yeah. is it? But it's a good 10 minutes of full-throttle um, horsery and... <laughs> stayed and 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 incredible practical stunts because you know there yeah. couldn't be any other kind of stunt right yeah and these are real people tra- being trampled by horses yeah, you, <laughs> you, can, you can see a couple of the, the felled apache um, as they go for the horses quickly look around to make sure that there's a flaming yeah. hoof about to kill them which is yeah yeah fair. yeah exactly yeah yeah um <laughs> and so that that's just a it's just a cracking 10 minutes i was on the edge of my seat i was and i, I think partly i was on the edge of my seat not because i don't know or wasn't expecting i, I knew how it was going to end up but there's something about I don't know. There's something lawless about making a film in the 30s because I just think, well, surely the health and safety is going to be absolutely terrible. Oh yeah, there's no, there's no animal cruelty uh, yeah. association so, there. So watching again, it, but, watching yeah, it, it's like it's real, isn't it? Yeah. Oh god, yeah. But like when Meek, when Meek takes one in the chest at the start, yeah, it kicks it all off. You think, well, anyone could die then. Um, yeah, yes, exactly. It's, it's not yes. like they're running. It's like when again, they've had, they've had, yeah, right. They've had adventure, like trying to get across the river was it was yeah, a yeah, yeah, they have, yeah. But this was the first time I think the gun was fired in anger, wasn't it? That's that's when it all starts. Yeah, um, and Buck gets shot as well, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. So and you think, so, oh, blind, yeah, he's a, he's a lovable rogue. He's he yes, you, you do you do start to wonder how many of them are going to make it through it. And because mm. obviously you know you know John Wayne's heading for his, his finale and stuff, but yeah, yeah. It's, it's done very well. And you're right about the uh, the, the broad characters because of course when you know when Doc Boone first starts, he's he's you know doing his, his characterful drunk thing and he's like knocking back the whiskey. Yeah. It's great when he takes one of the samples, next yes. and just goes I identification. And I thought this is the drunk cowboy thing. He's going to but actually again, Doc Boone is one of the best characters in it. He's fantastic. He's played really memorably by Thomas Mitchell. And again, back to John Wayne. That entrance was not oh. at all what I was expecting. You're right. I was, not, I was expecting no. him to be swaggering around, you know, yeah. either slapping people or shooting them, and, yeah. and taking charge and being a boss. Yeah. And, and that was that. But actually, he's a really good character. And the way he's introduced, not only as the star power that John Wayne would be, mm. but as the character, you think, wow, let's pay attention to Ringo. This is going to be important. Yes, it just yeah. The the way the way that he's introduced. You're right. You're thinking this guy this this guy is a star. Let's he means business. Let's listen to Ringo. Um, yeah. But then actually, when he when when he when he does start to talk and do things, you realise he he's a principled man. He's not he's not the rogue I was expecting him to be. And I don't really yeah. know why because I I don't I mean I haven't seen that many John Wayne films, and I don't think in any of them he's the ones I've seen. He's not a rogue. He's not he's not a horrible character. He's the upstanding. He's a good. He's a good character in them. He's good. Yeah, yeah. Right? So I don't know why I expected it otherwise, but I just think that zoom cut is just. I, I, I just wasn't expecting that. I was thinking, was this made in the seventies or something? What's going on here? <laughs> yeah, because what's, what's this? Because John Ford was friends with John Wayne for a long time, apparently, um, oh, before right. this movie was made. Um, and he just kept refusing to put him in his movies because he, he his estimation was he wasn't ready yet. Um, mm. He wasn't he wasn't ready for that, so he wouldn't put him in until he was ready. I think even when they um he had the part all in mind for him like yeah he was, he was on a trip with john wayne he goes oh we've got this new part i need a guy he's about 30 he must ride doesn't just shoot yeah. big guy looks like a cowboy tell me john um can you recommend anyone yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, i was literally doing that and by the end of it he told him that i want to i want to put you in the part and he was like john wayne there's like i feel i've been hit in the stomach i think any minute now he could take this part away from yeah him. yeah yeah but it was clearly again john ford if he was mates with him and and 
could see his potential but hadn't realised it because apparently he was, he was horrible as John Ford apparently is to everybody on the yeah, set. Yeah, he was a bully when he was um, a bully. Yeah, yeah, just to get the performance out of him, thinking this is my mate's chance to be a star. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, so he kind of uh, he went big for it. And it right, did it pay off? Did it pay off? I mean, this is it. This is the star making film, isn't it? And um, I think it's it's cemented in. Um, the, the the kind of final act, as it were, when they actually re- reach um, Lordsburg, don't they? And um, again, there's a there's the there's the showdown, I suppose, which again is is really archetypal. I'm, I'm sure it's been done before, though. I, you know, I'm I'm not so knowledgeable about yeah. pre 1930s Western films, right? But like, just you know, the 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 town centre, you know, um, a gunfight, it, it's it's classic, isn't it? It's, it's classic. classic. But it's, yeah, but it's interesting what they don't show. Maybe we get onto later yeah. movies, we'll see how yeah. this, this this showdown evolved. Because you get yeah, you have the, the bad guys outnumbering the good guy, obviously, and they're they're walking slowly towards yeah. their fate and they, they face off each other. But for one thing, they're carrying rifles or shotguns, not pistols. But that's true, and, actually, and, and isn't I it? thought yeah. This, yeah. this is strange. Another thing, Winchesters, again, haven't they? Yeah, and the thing is is Ringo goes prone and shoots, which obviously yeah. is a very wise choice to yeah, do. Yeah. But that's not a normal. That's not the hero doesn't go prone and pick him off like no, a sniper, does no. it? Um, and you obviously not show the thing is it's a good stylistic choice because you don't know who's failed and then it, it yeah. draws out the fact that Luke Plummer was killed. Um, but that's also that's not the the fast draw conventional choice that we'd you'd expect to see. And I'm thinking, was that already done by then? Was was John Ford trying something different? Because the idea of two a good guy and a bad guy facing off and yeah, just outdrawing each other, but well, everyone's yeah. seen that. Or, or, or maybe, maybe the the canon hadn't established. Exactly, it could be either one. It, I mean, it could, I, I don't know yeah, it, it could is. be one or the other, couldn't it? Yeah, it could be that actually it was later films that established the the pistol and the you know um, ten the steps back or whatever and all that kind yeah. of stuff. And and yeah. this was just the start of it. Yeah, so it's interesting. It's interesting what what did what did change in that as well as what. Yeah, did. yeah, definitely. Um, I, I thought I thought the uh, the the ending was brilliant. I really enjoyed the. The, and also, I found I found I found the the, the scene where he, they, he goes back to Dallas, and Dallas doesn't know she hears the gunshots. She doesn't know, yeah, yeah. You know who's that. And you don't actually see Ringo. You you kind of see his um, shadow moving towards her, and the music is quite tense. And then obviously it lightens up as you realise it's Ringo. I was genuinely moved by that, which is ridiculous um, because it was so obvious. But anyway, it was <laughs> yeah. just well done. I don't know what can I say. <laughs> Although whenever whenever actually Ringo talked to Dallas, the the music wasn't yeah. holding back. It dumped this romantic. Yeah. <laughs> I have to say actually that I think that the film holds up exceptionally well um yeah it doesn't it you know it, it is dated in some ways but it, it you know I, I wouldn't you wouldn't know this is a film from 1939 right you'd think it's just, just a good film made well but the one yeah. thing that does age it is the music i think because it's yeah. so it's so tele- it telegraphs your emotions so much yeah. and it changes so quickly from one scene to the next it'll be like yeah that's interesting if it was rescored how it yeah because the performances can speak for themselves it's almost like putting the laugh track on a comedy now they don't do it now mostly because they allow the comedy to speak for itself you don't need those cues to say this is funny now 
I so I'm obviously going on a journey of 52 westerns this year. So this is the third western I've watched this year, and oh, it yes, is only. Tell us about the the. Uh, the what day is it? It's the, it's the 17th, isn't it? Well, the other two films I've watched are John Ford films as well, actually. Ah, okay. Um, not it wasn't planned, but actually in in hindsight, that it, it's worked out quite well. So I've watched obviously the, the um, Stagecoach, and I've also watched Fort Apache, also oh. with John Wayne, and. Uh, wagon master which okay. is as you can imagine wagon master sounds a little bit like it might be like stagecoach and it's about a um uh, a, a community of mormons that need to travel um across the old west to find a, a kind of like a, a a gifted land to them etc and they have to avoid the the uh, native americans and all this kind of stuff as well and um i, I enjoyed wagon master more than i enjoyed fort apache i have to say that fort apache i, I found a little bit stilted and and quite, quite boring mainly because it was about the relationships of the soldiers in fort apache and so I just found that it was very melodramatic and schmaltzy. Not a lot happened in it. And I was a bit surprised. I thought, well, this isn't brilliant. And so I have to admit, and whilst Wagon Master was good, um, it, it didn't blow me away. I didn't think, oh, this is an absolute classic. It was, you know, it was it was fine. But it, it felt a lot more dated than Stagecoach did. And it was made 10 years later. Right. Oh, okay. I, I really felt the age of Wagon Master. Um, and so I have to say, I came to Stagecoach with a little bit of trepidation because, you know, Fort Apache is 1950, I think, and Wagon Master is 1948. And they both look and feel like old films, um, out of time and just, you know, not dated necessarily, but just kind of different different mores and different kind of approaches to film. It didn't really click with me that well. So I have to say, I was very, very, I had a lot of nervousness about Stagecoach. And I was beginning to think, oh, God, maybe we shouldn't have done Westerns. But I'm glad to say that Stagecoach, it, it proved me wrong. It proved Fantastic. me wrong. It, yeah. is, it is the classic we suspected it would be. Yeah. And actually, you know, Fort Apache, although it's well regarded, and Wagon Master, you know, reasonably well regarded, they're not the classics. Yeah. And so actually the classic Western maybe does just hold up. Wow. Well, I think we're going to, is this point to end with that recommendation? That, I think uh, it, if you, yeah. And yeah, it's, it's it's available on the internet should you wish to seek it out. Um, it, uh, it holds up well, and nice. yeah, it's um, it's I say if you're interested in westerns, this is about as early as you can get and still watch a thoroughly good film from it. I mean, uh, would you like to give it some scores? I mean, yeah, I mean, I think we, we we've got to give scores for the films that we do. Um, yeah, I, I mean, my my view on this is, um. I, th- I really enjoyed this. I wasn't expecting, I actually found it funnier than I thought it was going to be as well. I was chuckling away. And so the script is really good. The, the acting is, is top notch. It's of its time. Don't get me wrong. You know, it, it it's a different style of acting than you get now, but it's still, it's exceptionally good. And it's, it's filled with some larger than life characters and a great set piece. I think the only thing really that, that stops me giving it five disembodied crombie heads is, is that, it, I don't know. There is some. There are some aspects of it which I think could that have dated. The music, for example, I found a little bit grating and took me away from it a little bit. But other than that, it's really good. I'm going to give it four disembodied crombie heads. But it's a it's a good four. It's a high four. Yeah, a high four. I think I'm with you on that one. I think um, I've really enjoyed it. Again, a tight ninety minutes. Great mm. acting in it. Surprisingly so. Um, Again, it, it almost seems true to say there's some bits of the plot or the, the pacing you tighten up. I mean, it's it's lasting the test of time. It's, yeah. it's it's really, really good. And as you say, I've not seen the film surrounding it, but um, the, the, what you've described sounds like the kind of film I was expecting it to be. So, yeah, I'd say yeah. It's, a, it's a really good four. Four disembodied crummy heads, sporting Stetsons. Very good. Look, this is 80, this is over 80 years old. 
Yes, I would not and look it, good as that good in 80 years' time. No, <laughs> no exactly. Yeah, no. And it holds up, right? Yeah. You know, it holds up. And again, if, if, again, if you're remotely interested in Westerns and if you've made it through this far Watch to this it. season, why, why haven't you? Yeah. I mean, this is, this is the, the launch of one of the most iconic Western stars there were. So yeah, then, exactly. for that alone. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I wonder also um, how many times we're going to see the same rock formation background. Because <laughs> he likes Monument say, Valley, didn't he? Yeah, well, in Fort Apache and Wagonmaster, you see the same, it's the same background. It's obviously, it's obviously filmed. It's filmed in exactly the same place, isn't it? Because it's just the yeah. same rock formation in the background. <laughs> oh yeah, John Ford really liked Monument Valley. Yeah, so, he uh, did. Yeah, yeah, he went back there a few times. Yeah, he did. Um, I mean, I don't know what my next western is going to be, but we know what our next western is going oh, to be. Oh yes. Are would we like going to, to reveal that now? I think, as tradition befits, we do reveal what the next western will be. Yes. Would you like to, to tell the, the audience, James? I will. Let me just have a moment. <laughs> I've left a little gap there because I can't remember what it is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. I couldn't remember either, so I passed it to you. Oh, so you no, look, you look like the fool. I was going to pass it back. Hang on. <laughs> I wish I. Would somebody? This is, this, is like, this, is like, this is like the worst teams we've ever. Would someone like to fill us in on where we've been? <laughs> I'll get there first. Okay, I got. I got it. Okay. Oh yeah, this would uh, be a good for, surprise to me then, actually. Yeah, me too. For, for, for February, it's another John Ford. It's that era. But it's, um, for February, we shall be reviewing My Darling Clementine. Oh, yes, that's right. Henry Fonda. Henry Fonda and Victor uh, Mature. Ah, oh, lovely, lovely. Well, Excellent we look stuff. forward to that, don't we? Yes, indeed. I've, I've known nothing about My Darling Clementine, although if it does break into song, I will be ready. <laughs> I'm sure that there will be the song My Darling Clementine in the film. I mean, there has to be, doesn't there? Is this the, is this the song that's this is the film. film. Yeah, I think this is it. Oh, my goodness. I know. I feel, isn't this exciting? <laughs> it's like going back in time, as indeed we are. <laughs> as in, yeah, well, so, you have anyway. So until then, uh, my darling listener, um, we wish you a very happy and a very healthy weekend at Crombies. Good evening, all. Weekend at Crombies. I felt like there was a Marvelous lot of colon. There was a there was a lot of colons in that. <laughs> <laughs> Weren't there? There wasn't a lot of colon going on there. <laughs> if it was, I'd, I mean, I'd, I'd I've learned from the best you, but if I saw that in a paper, I'd have I'd have tutted. 